episode number 101, recorded July 2nd at Looney's Comedy Corner, stand-up comedian Ed Hill is in the Springs. Nobody likes their first set. Um, it, it, was, it was terrible. I was like, wow, I'm not a good person at all. I've never been a good person. All right, so we've got Ed Hill. Hi. Welcome to uh, Colorado Springs. Well, thanks for having me. It's, well, not, it's not my first time here. But, nice. Yeah. Now, how often do you get out here? Uh, this is my third time, actually. Okay. Yeah. And um, where's home base for you? I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, let's start at the start. Tell me a little bit about your uh, your comedy background and how long you've been doing it. And um, Well, I, I started doing it seven years ago, and... Um, I was in graduate school, um, you know, I was studying to be a psychologist, um, and, you know, I was, I, w- I was a professional DJ before that, I did that for a number of years in the nightclubs, and I, I just got out of it, it just, it wasn't for me anymore, I just, the lifestyle didn't work for me, it was too late, I don't drink, um, so I saw this stand-up comedy class I was offered next to university, so I uh, decided to sign up. And what's interesting is uh, when I when I showed up at the class, um, I already had I'd already written like a five minute set. So I went online and I you know, downloaded a bunch of books. I read about it. And like I was I was always reason to stand up. I never knew how to work. I always thought it was ad lib. So when I started reading the books, I was like, oh, there's actually a setup, um, you know, a punch. So I, I wrote a five minute set and I walked in, and the teacher saw it and she's like, so why are you here? And the rest of the class was looking at me like, yeah, why is he here? Apparently, you're supposed to go to this whole class and I develop your set. <laughs> Apparently, I finished the whole course the minute I walked in. So all I did was really just polish my material um, until the final showcase. Because the, the graduation is you do an actual show, the comedy club. Gotcha. So, yeah. And so what was the setting for the showcase? Like, what venue was it? How many people were there? All that kind of stuff. Uh, it was a Laugh Lines comedy club in, uh, you know, in New Westminster, British Columbia, which is the suburb of Vancouver. Um, it's in the old location, which is upstairs from a sushi bar. Um, it, was, it was a great, it was a great club. Um, I think it's, there was about, I would say, 150 people there. So they, they pack the club uh, for the graduation because I guess everybody brings their friends their first time on stage. Right, right. So I actually went out um, before the showcase um, and did a whole bunch of open mics locally. I just kind of ventured out on my own to see how and and you know, so it wasn't it was awful. <laughs> The, the open mic. The open mics were awful. Yeah, yeah. So when when I went to the showcase, I was like, oh okay. So, you know, in a club setting, this, this is what it's like. And you know, I I had some, I had some realization early on that it's not all going to be like the showcase because I didn't. The, my first show wasn't the showcase. Right. So right. a lot a lot of people who do the class, they think it's always going to be like that. And then the next show they do is <laughs> right. you know, in a coffee shop with you know two people who just got hijacked. Yeah. Um, by comedy he's like why are we doing this right right so for me it was like okay i know what it's actually like and you know this is just a treat on top so yeah. and i haven't been stopped doing it since so so what was your uh, the first five minutes that you put together what was your inspiration what kind of material were you working on to you know kind of get the ball rolling for you um my first five i don't really want to remember it why are you gonna bring up bullshit <laughs> You're a young guy. It was only seven years ago. PTSD. (laughs) Nobody likes their first set. Um, It was was terrible. I mean, I think the crowd liked it because my friends were there. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, what the the hell was that? Yeah. Um, I did a lot of racial stuff because, I mean, you know, I'm I'm Asian, so it's it's easy. 
um, and um, you know, hacky Asians. That wasn't even smart. <laughs> um, I talked about my parents a little bit, um, you know, and that that's really the route I went down. I talk about my dad a lot, yeah. Now and my family and stuff like that. So. And so, how has that evolved since that that first time out? Like, how has your material changed? What are you What have you been focusing on? Um, well, my first set, you know, just definitely. I think for everybody, it's it's very superficial. It's always you know, kind of observational. Now. It's, I'm, I'm a very, my, my material is very personal. It's, you know, I can't, I can't lie. Because when I, when I do material that's not true, it comes off as disgenuine and it's just not, it's just not funny. Yeah. I mean, it's not the same laugh. Like it would just be, you know, just like, ha ha. Um, do, so, do you think the audience perceives that or is that something in your head? You're like, this isn't true. So you deliver it maybe differently somehow or? I think, you know, there, there is a certain level of, disconnection with the audience yeah. I think they can pick that up like you know something about this doesn't make sense or it's not right it's not you know this is not who you are right and you know and, and the authenticity really um, comes through really easily you know you say anything that's disgenuine people can know right away yeah so yeah so now you know most of my material is really introspection is just looking into um, you know who I am what am I doing and I, I made, um, you know, when I started comedy, it was interesting is when I met my wife. Um, so, and she knew I was doing comedy and we, I, I, I made a promise to her that I will never do relationship material and I haven't done it since. And it's, it's always, and you know, it's easy, you know, since, you know, I got married last year, I'm a lot of stuff I'm going to talk about, you know, about the relationship, but you know, it's, it's an easy topic to tap into, but I, I purposely do not go into that aspect because it's really easy to just talk about her right right um where if i do talk about you know relationship i talk about me like, yeah what am i doing who am i and stuff like that and i think that's just that challenges me to look more inward and sometimes terrifying sometimes you look at yourself like wow i'm a piece of shit <laughs> um <laughs> but i did not see that coming <laughs> yeah and i was like wow i'm not a good person at all i've never been a good person <laughs> But, you know, it's a good challenge, and I think that the stuff that comes out, you know, is definitely definitely more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were a, a DJ and in grad school, and then you transitioned to stand-up comedy, who were some of the comedians that that you listened to or you liked or you started to maybe emulate early on and that sort of thing? What what kind of pushed you towards stand-up? Um, I really didn't emulate anybody. I really like Chris Rock. Um, I watched a lot of his specials. Um, you know, I, and I thought they were just coming up with this off the top of their head. Right, right. Um, you know, just the person talking. I was like, wow, these guys are really funny. They can just, I didn't know it was pre-written. Yeah. And I think that's the magic of it, that they can do it. So it's so natural that it sounds like this is the first time they're saying it. Um, Stephen Wright was another one. Nice. Um, I watched a lot. Um, I like, you know, it's just smart, you know, set up punch. Um, very deadpan. I tried that in the beginning. I think I, I did a little bit of Stephen Wright and, you know, it wasn't, it's just not, it's not who I am. Yeah. I freak out too much to be <laughs> Stephen Wright. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, I like his stuff. Um, and, you know, those, those, those two really, you know, who I've been watching early on and later on, you know, I start discovering other people and stuff like that. Yeah. Nice. So at what point did you decide, huh, turns out I'm a comedian. I'm going to, now did you finish grad school? or? Is I that... did finish grad school. So, um, you know, I'm fully trained as a therapist. Um, I still do that as my day job. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a, you know, 
Batman, Bruce Wayne type of thing. <laughs> Although minus the money, no, minus the money and the costume, <laughs> minus everything, pretty much. <laughs> I'm not even anything close. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I, I do that, you know, during the day, and you know, I fly on the weekends, and I fly back, go straight away. I you know I slept in airports a lot, slept in cars, yeah, yeah. Um, slept in the parking lot of my work just so I can make the shift, and then you know, go and do it again. Um, had have not slept for days just you know trying to make it work and stuff yeah. like that so um when i started knowing i was a comedian i don't know i just you know it's it's i think i'll stop doing it when it's no longer fun um because there was there was a point because I, I think for everybody every everybody entertainment there's a point where you, you start you start looking at you start looking at the fame and the money and stuff like that and you know you know, and then you start comparing yourself to other people's. Like, wow, they're, wow, they're so much more successful. What am I doing? Like, do I am I really cut off for this? Am I sellable? All that stuff, and it just becomes really um, bitter. Yeah, you become a really jaded person. And then, so I was talking to my wife, and my wife was like, "Is this? Are you doing this because you want to? Like, you want to be famous? Is that what you want to do?" I was like, "No." I was like, "Cause he, she, like, she knows. Like, she calls me like the most." My, my family calls me like the most social anti-social person ever so I, I can just sit by myself for hours and like just but I, I don't mind being with people either so yeah. it's really weird but um, she's like well this is what you want to do and I was like I don't, I don't know and she's like what is what is the thing that makes it most fun for you and I was like just writing the stuff testing in front of people and if it works that's the most joy and she's like well that's what you need to keep doing right and so that's literally what I went back to is just writing testing in front of crowds being able to get on shows stuff like that and I, you know I'm, I'm a happy person because of that yeah um, and you know all the other stuff you know TV spots um, you know being able to get on certain shows, that's that's just a bonus on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you find yourself kind of getting into that quagmire of kind of chasing fame and well, how come I don't have a sitcom? I mean, did that part kind of seep into your comedy at some point and then you've kind of steered back towards, no, I do it because I love doing it? Um, I think it, it seeped into where I was just, the energy was in there on stage. Um, I became just really just, I'm just saying it. Like I'm not there to to really give anything to the crowd. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm there to take rather than to give. So, um, and it really, you know, it affected me. It's just no longer fun. And, you know, I, I really looked at closely like, you know, this is not, this is because it's, it's a marathon. You can't, right, you can't right. be in that mentality, comparing yourself to other people. Um, it's it's going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of with that in mind, do you still set goals for yourself in your comedy career do you have things that you're shooting for festivals different clubs you want to get into that sort of thing or is it just take it as it comes and just enjoy the ride and whatever happens i'll jump well, at I'm, it i'm still proactive um I, I send out a lot of emails um you know i think average like 20 to 30 emails a day um and you know applying for stuff and you know still working on my stuff daily but you know, I just, I just work and see, see what happens. I don't, you know, expect anything. Right, right. Like, why, why would anything good happen? Like, <laughs> like Louis C.K. said, right? Why would anything good happen? Right, right. So when you, when you said that the bar at that low, anything happens, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle. Right. Right? So um, that's the way I take it. Yeah. Well, and at a certain point, all you can do is write good material and show up and perform. And the rest of it, you know, by and large, could be out of your hands. You just have to keep doing what you love doing. And, and everything else will, you know, kind of take care of itself. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, the uh, you were the best Vancouver comedian 
in uh, 2015 and 2016. Uh, yeah, I was voted by the readers of West Ender Magazine, which is a magazine that's um, you know in Vancouver. I don't know how it happened. Um, because my, my wife was voting. She didn't vote in 2015. She voted in 2016. And she went on. She, she like The first thing she told me while she was voting, she's like, hey, you know, the, the, the section is blank. It's not like multiple choice. Right, right. So they have to type in your name. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know who's voting for me. So, um, but I'm, I don't know. But I'm, you know, my brother really promotes my stuff. And I'm one of the few, I think I'm one of the few Asian comedians, period. Um, so, you know, especially in Vancouver, you know, you can count on one hand and with not the majority of the fingers. Um, <laughs> so there's not very many of them. So we're talking two of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, you know, there, and Vancouver is, you know, there's a lot of Asian, you know, immigrants that, you know, has came in. And so I think that's maybe it. I don't know. I'm just right. guessing. So like most Americans, I don't know anything about Canada. Or yeah. Vancouver. So how how big of a city is Vancouver? Uh, What's that? I think Vancouver to? currently has 2.5 million people. Um, wow. it's, going to th- it's the th- second largest city in Canada. So it's tar- Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. Nice. Um, it's very diverse. It's uh, very similar to Seattle. Yeah. If you if you, you can picture Seattle, it's um, like a newer. Seattle. Okay. So, because Seattle is definitely an older city. Yeah. So, so from what I understand, you and your father came to Vancouver on vacation twenty years ago. Uh, well, it'd be twenty twenty-two years ago. <laughs> so, then update my timeline. So, um, are, do you have roots in Vancouver, or do you aspire to move at some point, or is that home base for you for the foreseeable future? Um, I think Vancouver is home, and Taipei is also home for me because that's where I was born. Okay. Gotcha. Up to I was ten, um, and my dad told me we're going vacation that's what i thought <laughs> and then uh, you know then i was 19 i was like oh i guess you go to university when you're on vacation too and you got paid taxes <laughs> later on what is happening um but i you know there was i think i, I came to realization that i think this is where this is home now nice Just, you know and there's always that you know there's always that dichotomy you know, in Canada, they, people see me as Taiwanese. I go back to Taiwan. People see me as Canadian. Right, right. And it's tough. It's, it's a balance I think a lot of immigrant youths go through. And, in, you know, I talk about that a lot in my material because um, it's always that since this is that middle path you got to find yeah. for yourself. Um, so, so what's the, the comedy scene like in Vancouver? It's good. It's great. Um, it's Vancouver crowds are very polite. I think mostly Canadian crowds are polite. Which means they'll they'll pay attention, but they don't laugh out loud. So you you better have good material, or you're gonna have silence, even if they enjoyed it. Yeah. So you know it really kind of it's kind of it's a really good workout where you really have to push your material so it works. Um, so I, I like that challenge because you you always have to bring your A game, or they're gonna eat you alive. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you started doing comedy early on and started going on the road. What was that transition like for you, experiencing different cultures, different cities, different audiences, and how mm-hmm. did you have to adjust your material, if at all, to sort of like, oh, this is way different than Vancouver, yeah. I have to do this, that, and the other? Well, about about three years in, I started going the road purposely. I, 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 I looked at it, I was like, okay, where am I going to go? So I said, I'm going to go to Boston. Never been to Boston, just go to Boston, I went to L.A., like an idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and those are two big comedy pods, right. you know, in the United States. And I bombed 
like I went to Boston for a few days and then went to LA for you know five. So it was like a week and a half. I bombed for 15 shows in a row. Just oh. it was terrible. And that was when I realized my stuff doesn't translate outside of Vancouver. You drive like five miles out of the radius. Nobody knows what you're talking about. And that was when I threw out all my stuff and started rewriting and looking into the introspection. Because gotcha. I realized if I talk about me, talk about what I see, what I experience, who I am, doesn't matter where I am in the world, it's going to connect yeah. because I don't change despite where I am. Um, and that's that's when you know things start changing for me. I mean, that's that's a, in a lot of the comedians that come through Looney's, um, that that type of a story is really inspiring because I think after having a run of, of rough sets, at some point, your brain's going to go, maybe this isn't your thing. Oh, that was the worst. But you had the wherewithal I, to recognize, I, I know my, I'm funny. I texted my wife in the hotel in L.A. <laughs> I think it was like the two days we had to leave. I texted like, should I just quit? Because I, I haven't had one good show. This is like the 13th show where I bomb. <laughs> right. And she's just like, well, maybe you just need to rewrite everything. And I was like, yeah, maybe that's what I need to do. And you know, I just... We did the whole thing, and you know it worked out. Yeah, it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It was also the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right, right. Because I think if I never had that 15 show, you know, <laughs> winning streak, <laughs> I wouldn't have made any changes to my style. I'm still doing the same thing since day one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is your family supportive of this, you know, kind of side project that you do doing stand up? Do they come out and see you perform? Or uh, my parents are a little weird. Um, my whole family's weird, really. They're they're not overtly supportive but they're covertly like kind of respond i don't know responsive because every time I, I see them they'll be like so when you gotta grow out this when you gotta grow out this phase yeah what's when we gonna stop doing this thing and they always compare to skateboarding because i used to skateboard and i stopped he's like you remember you used to skate this is you know are you just gonna stop doing comedy because you know it's like your skateboarding i was right. like no mom i got fat i can't skate because i got fat and, I'm just, and i don't want to get hurt anymore um, but every time, like if I, if I have a, you know, a TV spot or, you know, some kind of, you know, thing I got into, uh, an article on the paper, my mom will put it on her Facebook and she'll oh, share nice. with her friends. Yeah. She'll send it to everybody. Um, like the West Ender stuff. She, you know, she, she kept a copy of the article and stuff like that. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they're, they're partially proud of what I'm doing, but at the same time they're like, oh, why can't he be a doctor like his younger brother? So my, my young brother is, is a doctor. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you're no slouch either, grad student uh, or graduate, and you've got your, your psychology degree. Yeah, but I'm not a doctor, right. so <laughs> they want a medical doctor. Gotcha. If you're gotcha. not a medical doctor, it doesn't count. Yeah. Well, you can like cure cancer, <laughs> but if you're not practicing in the hospital, you're a failure. There's an asterisk <laughs> yeah. next to that. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you've got a pretty busy uh, a busy life with the day job and then a new uh, a new bride. So what do you do other than comedy? Like how do you manage how do you balance that out as far as I would suspect that your day job is a fairly you know time intensive yeah, and, yeah. and mentally intensive. Right. So how do you kind of flip that switch to okay now I'm going to be on the road in Colorado Springs away from my family telling jokes to a bunch of drunk people on, the, on a um, Saturday night. It, it's actually I mean I've it's always about balance and you know doing comedy is actually a good way to get away from what I'm doing in the daytime because what I do in the daytime is not funny and it's right, not right. you know a lot of the stories that I hear is very tragic um, you know inspiration at the same time but then I see it as a way where daytime I'm listening to other people's stories and the nighttime I'm telling my own 
Yeah. So it's a good balance in that way. And um, and any anybody you talk to that knows me knows I just hate doing anything. I'm totally content with just sitting on the couch and staring at the ceiling for hours. Right, right. So um, I, I, I would take time off sometimes just to sit at home, do nothing, um, spend time with family, stuff like that. Um, and, like, I don't mind being on the road, but the traveling, I just, I hate, I can't stand the airplanes. I don't like airports. It's just, it's ridiculous. I, I just don't like that. The, the getting there, I don't like, but once I get there, it's fine. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Ed Hill, I'm going to cut you loose, man. I know you've got a show, two shows tonight yeah. uh, here at Looney. So one last quick question for you. Um, what are you looking forward to? Like what's keeping you going? What's your motivation at this point? What have you got coming up and all that kind of stuff? I'm looking forward to not die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what am I looking for? I don't know. I just, I, I kind of live in the moment. Just whatever happens. <laughs> I hope I don't have diarrhea tonight or whatever I eat. <laughs> Kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> That's why you've got a smile. <laughs> well, I got on coming up. I got a lot of stuff coming up, but I, I don't. I kind of have to check on it myself. I'm the type of guy who has to go on his own website to see what he's doing. Right. Like, it's kind of sad. I'm like, what am I doing tomorrow? So, <laughs> yeah. um, what am I doing? You can yeah. uh, you can go on my website and find me there, kingedhill.com. Um, it's got my Twitter, Facebook, all the stuff on there. So, excellent. You'll find me on there. Excellent. Well, Ed Hill, it was a pleasure meeting you, man. Well, thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thank you. All right. So there you have it out of Vancouver, Canada, stand-up comedian Ed Hill. My thanks to Ed for making time to be on the show. My thanks to Eric and the great folks at Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. Our audience continues to grow, and I'll keep doing these things as long as you guys keep listening. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.